Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Chels. Well, we finally got a show where we've got a game to talk about. And we're going back to the old format this year. We're going to have a conversation about the game that's been. And then we'll do another podcast later in the week talking about the game coming up, which will be Tottenham. So that'll be a very, very serious conversation. Anyway, I'm joined today by... Oh, wait... Andy's not here. Oh, listen, I can hear birds chirruping. Everything's all quiet and rosy. And he's away on his 42nd, 43rd holiday of the, the season. So that's Andy for you. He's away smoking his cigars, enjoying the sunset, paying 240 euros for lobster, no doubt. That's Andy. Gosh, I really aspire to him. Someone else I know who's really aspiring to be Andy, he's here. It's Mr. Gary Hayes. Hello, aspirational Gaz. Well, if uh, upgrading hot tub to a pool is aspirational, I think I've usurped him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, of course. You're still in your rented accommodation then. Not rented, darling. Inherited. Inherited. Oh, look at you. And have you been doing many lengths? Yeah, I was saying to Alison earlier, because we were chatting, I was like, been working really hard today and I've been topping up my tan. Well, yeah, I mean, all of that is just fiction, isn't it? Because actually, you look like one of the lobsters that Andy's been eating <laughs> on like, here on Zoom. I look like truffle and chips for 23 euros. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure which bit you are, but um, yes, okay, so... Well, I'm glad you're you're working really hard in the sunshine. And our other guest today is none other than journalist, broadcaster, podcast, podcast host, mother. I mean, is there no end to it? It is Alison Bender. Alison, how are you? 
hey, Kerry, I'm good, thanks. I'm better now that Gary's cool that he's inherited and there's a wave coming along. And I always think it's very important to have made in the uh, in the event of a heat wave i'm we come around your come day. over the first heat wave went down a tree hose pipe ban what hose pipe ban filling that pool up baby environmentally unfriendly <laughs> gary to the last <sighs> absolutely alison how are you have you been busy since well i haven't spoken to you for for yeah, well since the season finished yeah yeah, I mean, I have been a combination of busy and not busy, which is, is basically exactly what this football season is like. Um, freelance, it's kind of feast and famine. It's like buses, they all come at once and all the other analogies. But so over the summer, I've done a bit of the Euros, which was brilliant. I loved it. Um, complete change of scene for me because I don't normally cover the women's game. So I did that. That was busy. But then I also managed to fit in a holiday, which was lovely Where did and you relaxing. Go? And then suddenly before I knew it, I went, oh, it was really nice. I went to Estepona in Spain. Um, I don't know if you've been, it was a bit, it was, um, it's a kind of a pebbly beach, but it, it's a beach and I just love, I love the sea. Uh, food was amazing. Speaking of all the lobster and all the rest of it that you're just chatting about. Have you ever heard of the Costa Tropical? What? No, where is that? Exactly. It's a fake region that Kerry made up it's, once. It's and Andy and not. I have never heard of it. And he always goes on about the Costa Tropical. As if we'd let, as if we'd let <laughs> Gary go anywhere near it. It's top secret. I'll give you the address, Alison. Don't worry. You can come there. But Fantastic. So this is great. I've got an island and a pool at my disposal. But um, yeah, but suddenly, uh, do you know, you, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but like waiting and waiting and waiting for the season to begin. And then suddenly it was just kind of here. And it, 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 it felt like a really big handbrake turn from the Euros. And then I had to go to two press conferences. And one day I went to Thomas Tuchel, which was really interesting. And then Thomas Frank as well to get a different perspective um, down in Brentford. So yeah, uh, it's just great. So Having you're only back, doing press conferences with Thomases? <laughs> what yeah, made exactly. me laugh was exactly. um, Thomas Frank's one. They like they put a school desk yeah. in front of him. Oh yeah, it was quite funny. Well, you should have seen that place. It was bizarre Makeshift. because it's like it's right by Heathrow, and literally you've got planes coming over like every two minutes. And I was asking him these questions, have no idea what I'm saying. Absolutely couldn't hear a word of it because of these aeroplanes. Um, in this, they're kind not of in Harlington, are they? They're kind of, um, oh, don't ask me even where I was, kind of near Brentford, like it, not not that far away from the, um, the. I think it was maybe Isle with Osterley, somewhere like that. It's funny because you see the difference in Tuchel's at this, this is for your benefit, Kerry, when you go into the press room at the training ground at Chelsea where they do the press conferences, you go in and you're sat down, you're all looking up at the manager. He's on this high yeah, plinth and you're point. looking up at him. and it's, Because the, when that got built, who was there? Jose was the manager. So Joe, because Jose oversaw, Jose oversaw um, the manager's office, which when you go into it is, it's got 360 view of the training ground. So you can see all yeah, the pitches. So nice. You can see every single pitch from there. And then with the press room, you're up, like you're looking up at the king and he's looking down at his subject. So he's in a position of power as the manager. Interesting. Good observation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he had nothing else to do. He was I, was, sort of, I was sat he, there waiting for the free canteen getting kicked out yeah, yeah because you weren't a do you know what gary journo? do you know what travesty i didn't even get a front row seat how times have changed i had i was relegated to the second row oh what have they did they reserve them now so basically some of the journos super early i was actually in the czar um in the second row he was he was to the left of me but it was it was nice to see all the guys well that's good because for naz 
now Naz is at the standard when he was at goal is probably row seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, it, he's moved a few rows he's, he's done well for himself. So, Alison, also, I wanted to ask you, have you got another series of Talent Takes Time coming soon? Yeah, it's been a long time in the making, this one. We've uh, we've got some really, really cool guests, actually. Um, so, yeah, season two, I'm literally releasing it, like, around about now. So by the time people are listening to this, it'll be out. Um, so it's all about how you get into the uh, media industry. And we've taken on board some of the, the comments and having people are like, we want to hear from the decision makers, not just the people in the industry, the presenters, the reporters, the commentators. So I've actually been speaking to some really interesting people who actually hire to say, what are you looking for in the next presenter or... Or commentator that you employ so i think people are going to really enjoy this series yeah, talent takes time wherever you hear your podcasts excellent there you go and uh, i'm looking forward to it can't wait right well look let's crack on shall we i wanted to, there's a couple of general things i'd like to talk to you about first off uh, we've been waiting for this season to start i mean in so many ways it seems as though the last one has only just finished. But yet, with the Euros in the middle of it and winning, it actually felt like a break, weirdly enough, even though it's such a truncated period of time. But I wanted to know what you thought, and I'll, I'll ask Alison this first. With the new rules, the, the multi-ball, and this idea that we're going to speed up the game and we're not going to let all tackles be penalised because they've... They, look, it's it's not the world's best kept secret that football you invariably get fifty five minutes of play instead of ninety. So yeah, it is. It's insane, isn't it? It's a really low number. I actually saw um, a fact. I, I think I'm right in saying that Chelsea Everton was the um, the lowest. They they did. A, um, I saw in the back of one of the papers they actually did a chart. Um, and yeah, I think it was something that we noticed in the Euros that there was less dissent. There was a lot more play and so I was looking forward to this one but to be honest I haven't seen any difference so far we always hear these don't we every every season we're going to change this and we're going to change that and it all feels like it's a bit drastic and then it just kind of peters out I mean the five subs I think is a really interesting one and I I did ask Tuchel about that because I was curious about whether it makes his job even more difficult because you know you have got a bit more responsibility to change a game if you're making five subs um, and I spoke to Thomas Frank about it and he, he laughed actually he said you know I'm gonna I've really been thinking about how I'm going to use this to change a game and then he laughed and and said, you know, just uh, queue 90 minutes, I make my first substitution and everyone laughs. But he did actually use all five of his at the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I do think it'll be interesting to see. But so far, we, we're still seeing the same kind of... I, I don't think it's changed much, do you? Uh, I think some games have. I thought that the... I thought it's... I think both teams have to buy into it because actually if one team starts playing around, then the other team will. But I think it was... Fulham, Liverpool, and definitely Palace, Arsenal, they had a bigger flow. I'd be interested to see what the stats were on that. Although, as Gary will always say, stats can be turned to mean anything, especially when Andy's about. But um, I, I did think that the game flowed quicker. I think there's a lot to be learnt from the Euros, which is obviously where they've taken a lot of this thinking from. Uh, Gary, do you see this as something that could potentially happen and benefit the game of football and we get certain bad habits out of the way? No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right, now moving back to us. <laughs> but <laughs> I, can, I, I think that elaborate. in terms of... Um, look, Chelsea-Everton, we're here to talk about that, right, on top of everything else. 
It's in, in a, a minute. It's, it's in, in, in Everton's interest to slow that game down and then try to the, the way teams will play against you know smaller teams or lesser teams with less technical ability or whatever you want to call them will play against teams like Chelsea's that they want to control moments so they want to slow the game down to get those moments and then they will get them whether they target set pieces throw-ins free kicks or counter-attacks and transitions right so you'll always see the ball in play less in those games where I'll be interested to see is if this has any impact on Liverpool against Chelsea Chelsea against Man City Man City against Liverpool when the bigger teams are playing each other where they know they've got enough in their armoury to cause the other team problems. So those antics don't really come into it until they're winning and they're trying to slow the clock down near the end of the game. But it is interesting as well. What about, Gary, what about our ageing side though? Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, to to a certain extent, I look at Chelsea and and obviously, you know, when Kukurea came on, you just saw the kind of injection of pace. But because we've got such a kind of ageing back line, let's just say, um, you know, maybe it does benefit Chelsea to to be a little bit slower. To be um, fair, and, yeah, and to maybe. be fair, we 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 were taking our time most of the second half with every throw in. It was the kind of thing that would have really irritated me. But uh, if it do was you the want me to talk about it. why we were so slow as well, or should I just leave that because it's been discussed oh, to the just death? Leave it. To, I, for the, I, I can't. I can't the ends have the Jorginho. Not the Jorginho discussion. <laughs> That's why Chelsea are slow. But let's let's move on. That's why Chelsea are slow. Okay. Um, well, obviously, what doesn't help our backline is um, goalkeepers not coming out and supporting defenders when they've got Damari Gray chasing them down, and they're thirty-seven, nearly thirty-eight years old. Um, yeah, maybe it does help. But I think when Chelsea are in possession, they don't want slow play. They want quick transitions and to hit teams and those front three in the way that we saw with Hurling and De Bruyne when uh sorry Erling Haaland um with De Bruyne the way he just got in straight away on to score his second goal that's what Sterling Mount and Havertz are trying to do they're making these runs from deep quick early runs but they're not getting picked out so it is more laborious and slower at Chelsea but I think that when we play a bigger team I think you'll see the ball in play a lot more it's in their interest of Everton to keep that ball out of play slow and then win moments in matches right that's how those teams win those games Let's just go back a little bit in time uh, on on that uh, game. Alison, were you surprised at the setup, the lineup? Because Gary predicted it four hours before the game, and he basically yeah. said, "There's no way it's not going to be this side." And of course, he was, it was wrong. Predictable. Yeah, but I got I got two uh, wrong. Oh, you got but, it wrong. I got two but wrong. But Alison, I'm sure you'd have got it right. No, what because... you went Kovacic? Did you go to Kovacic? Did you? Yeah, he went yeah. Kovacic. And, and what, what else? Was the other, what was I the other? I thought he was going to throw Cucurella in immediately because I weren't sure about. Did you? I just weren't sure about Chilwell's. Because we've been talking about it a lot that we didn't know how fit he yeah, was. Yeah, and the we? fact he took him off after 70 minutes or whatever it was, I think you're going to see that he's going to ease him in a bit more. He might start Tottenham. To be honest, from from what I saw, I would say Kukurea. Is it Kukurea or Kuchurea? It's Kukurea. We'll, we'll get there. It's actually Kukurea. Kukurea. <laughs> I would start I, I can imagine him starting against Tottenham to be fair um, you know it's it's brilliant to see Chilwell fit to start but it, it wasn't sort of peak Chilwell as we have and I also thought you know from not just the negatives of Chilwell but also the positives of Kukurea how much pace he injected into the side how comfortable he looked you know we know he's got obviously you know really good Premier League um, 
you know, a pedigree. So we don't have to worry kind of thing. Um, but no, I predicted this 11, to be honest. I kind of thought, it, it, like you say, if there was any change, it would have been the Kovacic um, in the midfield uh, instead of Jorginho. And I know a lot, there's a lot of Chelsea fans who are on the same, you know, Jorginho slows the game down, etc. Um, we don't have to have that debate. But yeah, and the other thing that makes me think is that, that this is not a particularly different to last season, the, the struggles we had last season. And so I was a little bit underwhelmed, I have to say. There are there, there are so many positives. I could sit here and, and pull out loads of positives from the game, but I can also sit here and say it's kind of the same old problems. And I really want one or two more big signings before the window closes. And I think we need them. Like, particularly if you see yourself as challenging for the title, which I don't necessarily think we are but at the same time you've got to put yourself in the mix because you just never know what might happen let's you know obviously you know um Liverpool drawing with Fulham that's a massive shock early on in the season it's only a first game but strange things will happen if Chelsea can get their noses in front then who knows with the World Cup year and all the rest of it um but where was I <laughs> I'm going well, around the circle but yeah, no, I was going to say one thing about the Liverpool yeah. point that you made I mean, after what happened at the weekend, we basically have a title-winning lead over Liverpool already. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's it's fine. <laughs> They've only got we... <laughs> thirty-seven games to hunt us down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we've got two-point lead. I tell you, it's it's feeling good. Uh, Gary, I I totally agree with Alison there that it was you know, the same but different. But at the same time, it can't be anything more or less than that can it because these people have only just come in they've only been there a short period of time he can't go gung-ho he can't go right Gallagher now in the middle there's this there's that there's it's going to take time he's he's going to have to change it slowly because I suppose they're set in their ways in America with Jorginho they were trying to get him to play forward a lot more through those games and if you know again we're not going to get onto that issue but how long do you think this period of change and transition could take? Hopefully just this season. We've been in it a long while where from, I think it started under Lampard where they bought Sarri in with completely different ideas and then they realised pretty soon that wasn't going to work and it wasn't the way forward. So then when Lampard came in, there was the transfer ban, etc, etc. But he gradually started it, right? And he always spoke about a, a five-year plan, et cetera, et cetera. And he wanted to bring younger players in. They did a lot. And you could see with the transfers that they ended up making, you know, th- th- there has been a transition. Obviously, that transition halted and took a different direction with uh, Lampard leaving. So now Tuchel is building his own team and he's gradually getting rid of players that aren't necessarily his signings or aren't players that suit that system that he wants to play. We're seeing Alonso is looking like he's going to go. Werner now is looking like he's on his way back to Leipzig. They're two players that weren't um, Tuchel signings, right? He's bought in Sterling, who is more of what he wants, a more dynamic, explosive player that's got an end product. Um, The the interest, what interests me is what happens with De Jong. Are they really trying to get him or is there gamesmanship from Barcelona where they're trying to play so-called interest off from Chelsea on Man United to hike the price up a bit because it seems like they're hell-bent on forcing him out of the club one way or another, right? It's talking about taking legal action against him now over his contract, uh, which the club gave him. Um, so I, I think the, tr- the transition, they've made some good signings this summer. Like Alison said, I think we're maybe too short of really looking like a team that could potentially challenge um, but 
really, I don't think this season is about challenging for the title for Chelsea. I think it's about new owners bedding in more faith in the manager, more control for the manager, moving out players that don't necessarily suit his system or the future of Chelsea, but getting through it this year so that in 23-24, that's when we're able to bring this team a step further. And you think about it, Havertz has got another season under his belt. Mount is more mature. Hopefully Chilwell's back to fitness. And then you've got Kukurea working with him, whether one slot's in at um, the left centre-back or whatever. You know, But I think there's a lot to be done in getting this team deep-rooted in the you know, the policy and the philosophy of the manager. So I think this year is another year of transition, as we keep saying. But I think that in years gone by, we've said that, but then they've just had knee-jerk reactions because they've had money bags owners that can just pay off managers 25 million, right? Whereas the owners now have got to put faith in Tuchel because really they don't want to be sacking him because it costs money. Just believe in the process and go with it. Agreed, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's a great manager. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alison, what would you say... Hmm would make this window truly successful by the end of the the period, which is whatever it is, September the 1st? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I'll be really frank. I actually think it's a very successful window considering what we were up against. And this is what Tuchel has, you know, really tried to stress in his press conferences. You know, this was a, a window where there were players who didn't know what the future of the football club was. And they lost a lot of big players. We lost a big, a lot of big players because they didn't know what the future was. So we were really held back by that. And so to bring in Sterling quite early on, I think Kudabali looks excellent, by the way. Um, I thought he was just fitted in perfectly um, and has so much great experience. You know, even things like Chuamaker, and I was desperate to ask um, Tuchel how that signing came about because one, it was one of the very few signings that no one got a sniff of. I never hear that with journalists. Um, and so I, I'll just be so curious to know Oh, is it someone that Tuchel's been keeping an eye on? Is it one of the scouts? I don't know if you guys are privy to anything, but, you know, it surprised a few people. I think it's really impressed a lot of people because he's one of those, you know, ones for the future, which is, again, build, you know, we can build and this is a transitional um, uh, season. So I think it's actually been successful i would like to see a striker more of a, a sort of a headliner net to, to make it a truly successful way. you might say that sterling is that man but if it is i think we need someone um just just to kind of and maybe you know if, if de jong came i think that would also make it a successful window so we are just a teeny way off let's say but i even if nothing happened i will be quietly happy because of the situation yeah, I'd agree. And also, they haven't had months and months preparing everything beforehand because everyone took over, sanctions were in place before then, so they've been playing catch-up. No, I'm with you. I think the most important thing for me now, I already like the look of every one of our single signings so far. Seeing the three that we've seen, yeah, and, and yeah. when Kukurea came on, you have to say, his first pass... He pinged it really hard with confidence. He hadn't gone, oh gosh, I've only been here a day. This is Chelsea. The ball came out to him wide and he just pinged it across inside really quick, really sharp. And he just thought, yeah, you're going to be all right. And he was like that. And then he set up that chance for Sterling. And you just immediately see when people take to it. And you're right. Koulibaly, extraordinarily easy for him to fit in. Uh, of course, I suppose Thiago makes most people feel at home. But interesting, though, Koulibaly went down with that cramp and that finished him. I'm, I'm sure he hasn't run like that in years in a, in a league game, has he? 
So yeah, absolutely. And then, and also we've got to mention Breuer and, and Conor Gallagher that you've also kind of mentioned as well. I'm mean, like, do you know what? I'm actually talking to myself around. This has been a great window, to be fair. So That's what happens on the Chelsea. Yeah, it's true. So much could have gone wrong. Oh, and Aspilicueta, sorry, we got to mention that, is massive, absolutely massive to keep him because he's your captain. He's got a great personality. And I also think personality, actually, when you speak about Kukurea, is so important. I've already seen tweets saying, like, he's one of us. He seems like, you know, the, we like his personality. I think... Again, that is also important. You want a season where people are getting on. There's no unrest in the dressing room. It's a happy camp, you know. Okay, Gary, over to you. I'd, I'd like to talk. We talked about some of the players there, and Alison just hit on two of them that I think are worth a mention. One in particular, Conor Gallagher came on and did his job for the few minutes he was on. He just fitted in. You didn't really notice him. Passed the ball where he needed to. Put his foot in where he needed to. Breuer, he had a little bit longer on. I thought he was excellent because he didn't come on like... Sometimes you see these young forwards come on. I've got to impress. I've got to impress. He came on. He understood the time of the game. He understood what he needed to do, which was buy a foul here and there, hold the ball up, play it out whenever possible. And, yeah, he didn't do anything extraordinary, but he did those simple things beautifully. What, what did you think, Gary, of those two? Yeah, I agree. I think what you want to see with, with young players is when they come on, um, they're getting shown all these flip charts before they come on and they're being told what to do, right? And so you want them to, and as a manager, what they want them to do and as coaches, they want them to come on and follow their instruction. You know, that they're, they're being told these things because they're, they're needed to play a tactical way. So when a player comes on and does that, it's always good to see because it shows intelligence, but it also shows a bit of emotional intelligence because he's making his debut for Chelsea, coming off the bench, Breuer. Um, obviously, like I say, he had more time than Gallagher, but he's coming on, he's making his debut for Chelsea in, in a game that could, you know, Everton, as we know, have, have been a banana skin for Chelsea. So it's not like he's coming on and playing a centre-back where he could potentially create a mistake that leads to a goal. But I think... You could see it at other times. There were players that, you know, number five did it, where he got caught in possession, Chelsea got turned, and um, Everton nearly scored from it because that, that's the way Everton play. Whereas Breuer just ran the channels. He got the ball. He laid, laid it off to other players. He did what he was meant to do. So I think it's it's encouraging. It doesn't mean that he's going to be a 20-goal season player already, but it just shows that, okay, we still don't know what to make of him, whether he's going to you know, make the grade at Chelsea, but at least he's got some football intelligence that he can come on and do a job because that's what that's what you need. To go back to the five subs earlier, um, there's going to be time wasting. I think it's funny, they brought in the multi-ball again, but they brought in five subs. So there's going to be all the tactical subs for that to waste time. But I think when you've got five subs, it's there to ease the pressure on these players because they talk about red zones, they talk about soft, t- uh, soft tissue injuries and stuff. And, you need someone like Breuer to come on to give a forward like Havertz or someone a break who's been running for 70 minutes, running the channels, you know, running the back line, stretching it. They need to have a break. They can't just play 90 minutes every week. So when you see him being able to do that, you think, okay, he's an outlet. Not that he's an outlet for when we need a goal at the moment because you don't know if he's going to have that, but he's an outlet to come on and just sort of continue what they're doing. Yeah, and it's interesting about the substitutions as well that you can't just, do five substitutions now you've got it you've got to plan it it's it's almost like power plays and cricket and things so you're, you're having to plan it um do you think 
somebody like Breuer and Gallagher, the way they, they were, uh, Alison, that this is so important to Thomas Tuchel's work ethic. He believes in the team as opposed to the individual so much more. And maybe this is why Callum is having a bit of a problem at the moment. And, and we'll get on to that before we finish up for the day, where, where we see how that is. But yeah, the team ethic, Breuer, Gallagher fits in. Absolutely, definitely. And I just, and actually for an opening game, he ticks so many of the boxes, like you say, he was able to bring on those players, sort of give them a feel, like you say, Conor Gallagher might not have done much, but actually just the feeling of coming on to be a part of that team already, um, to integrate him. I think Thomas Tuchel is a really smart manager. I've been so impressed with him. Last season was just brilliant working with him. He will always give you a sensible answer. Um, he doesn't shy away from the difficult conversations. Um, he says it like it is. And I Imagine as a manager, he's he's been the players as well. So decent plays. I mean, Tottenham up next is is not the best thing that you want to go to after a sort of an under path open game, particularly when you saw Tottenham really good. Kulazeski looks some player, and obviously players that we know to be brilliant like Son and Kane. I worry about them to be honest. I, I'm worried about them finishing in third. His early days, but yeah, I you know Thomas Tuchel. Thomas, I trust. Absolutely. Ga Gary, uh, the last point we should talk about uh, in this episode is Callum Hudson-Odoi has now said he wants away. What would you say to that? What would you do? Loan? Sell? You're not fussed? There's outrage. Sell on, and on... don't have a buyback clause either. <laughs> okay. Ruthless, Ruthless Gary. Ruthless. He hasn't got it. He's not going to do it. I know everyone wants him to do it. I would love, I would have loved to for him to have done it. But look, if he doesn't want to be there, he's always made a fuss. He thinks he's, he's he thinks he's got a divine. Well, okay, I'm guessing. I'm going by, you know, the behaviour that we've read about, and you know, the fact that it's this is Matt Law was writing about it in the Telegraph over the weekend. Out of the last eight transfer windows, Hudson Odoi is asked to leave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You look at that, and you just think, well. Clearly, he thinks that he should, he's got a divine right to be playing or that he's better than what Chelsea have got. And I'm like, mate, I believe that everyone has a right to prove themselves. And if you think you're that good, then good for you. But every time you've had that opportunity, you just haven't done it. You have not done it in yeah. a Chelsea shirt. And you don't shirt. want that disharmony, yeah, you, do you? Don't you, want... you if, if he's unhappy, then get rid, to be fair. And I, I wouldn't necessarily be as hard as Gary. You're probably right, though, Gary. But I just think, look, what's the point um, of having a buyback clause on the guy when... He thinks he's bigger and better than the club. Now, that could just be his agents wanting to, to push him on and his agent is yeah. his brother still, I think. Uh, I, I just don't think it sits well when players are there throwing their weight around when it's like, mate, you've achieved nothing in the game. Now, if this was Mason Mount, it's different. Mason Mount has come in and he has earned his right to be in that team. And he came in where there was all the naysayers of, oh, he's just Lampard's boy and all that stuff. And Tuchel dropped him and then Tuchel's never dropped him since. You know, after that Wolves game, Tuchel went, oh, actually, I've realised what I've got here. You, you see, it's a, mer a football club, it's a meritocracy. No matter who you are, if you're not performing, you don't get in. Even £98 million waste of space last season wasn't getting in because he wasn't trying. And I just think that that sets the tone for any football club. And if you want a football club to be successful, you need everyone pulling in the right direction. You're going to have your stars. Of course you are, right? It's Chelsea Football Club. There's going to be stars. There's going to be players that are bigger than other players. But those players have earned the right. Whether they did it at another club and came into Chelsea and did it, 
or whether they've earned the right at Chelsea. The stars always become the key players. And Chelsea's key players right now, Hudson-Odoi is nowhere near him. He wants to play on the, oh, my preferred position is on the, um, you know, playing the inside left. Well, mate, Raheem Sterling is playing in that position. You really think that you're going to compete with Raheem Sterling? Because I tell you what, when Raheem Sterling was 21-22, he had what? 30 caps for England, was tearing it up for Liverpool and then signing for Man City. Incredible talent, incredible player. You have done nothing in a Chelsea shirt to warrant you, one, pulling 120, 1.30 a week and also thinking that you've got a divine right to be coming in against ahead of these players. Okay, maybe he might be able to challenge Pulisic, but Pulisic is in the position he's in because he did it at first and then his form has dropped so much that he can't get back in that team. The front three is what it is and until someone says... You know, comes in and proves that they can do that in training every day and then gets sub appearances or a player gets injured and they do it, then fine. But nobody has done it yet to show they're better than that front three. So I just look and think, Hudson Adore, if you want to leave, mate, you go off to Leicester or Dortmund or anywhere and prove yourself. But I don't think you've got it and I don't think we'll see you at the top, top, top end of football again. Maybe we can exchange him for Wesley Fafana's right leg. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Alan, I'd be happy with Wesley Fofana. I mean, it seems like Wes wants to come, doesn't it? And did you see he did a big interview in the papers this week about, and it was really non-committal about, yeah, I'm really happy at Leicester. But it was kind of a really weird timing for an interview like that. I don't know if you saw it and what you thought of it, but... Haven't seen it, but I'll yeah. read up on it for sure. But by the way, what what Gary just said, I I I literally that was a mic drop moment. But it just does upset people, doesn't it? And it just sort of causes problems, and then people are mates with the player, and then they're sort of like they got loyalty to him, but then they got loyalty to the team, and it, it just causes you just don't need it. Just causes it. Underestim- yeah, unrest. Yeah, you don't, don't need, need it. Need. And exactly. when someone's sulking around the place, and then. You know, just being rude. To, I'm not saying he's doing this, but just sort of talking about what it can be like. And they're being rude to staff and all that. And it's like, come on, mate. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm no. not saying he's done any of that. There's no, there's nothing to suggest he has. I'm just saying that you're just suggesting yeah. in an environment exactly like that, things mean. can be yeah. difficult, yeah. especially if players aren't getting. Because in. people that don't know what it's like, it, it's um, it's one of the most interesting things I ever saw. That you know, when you go into a training ground on a Monday morning, you can literally be there for five minutes and you know instantly what the result was at the weekend without knowing. You you know it from the security on the door. You know it from the canteen. It, it's just it's amazing how the, the bricks and mortar can feel a result. It's just, it, I find it one of the most fascinating things in working inside a football club. We used to say that if they won, you'd, they'd roll out the red carpet and if they lost, they'd be rolling out the eggshells. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's what it was <laughs> so like. True. That's what it was like all week. Yeah. Well, I guess in a way, you're talking about bricks and mortar. I mean, that's what we're trying to do now is set up the bricks and mortar for the next however many years. So it's, it's all important to get it right. So, Alison, look, we're just about out of time. The last thought is, what was your takeaway from the Everton game? Um, so many takeaways, but the, the biggest takeaway was that the transfer window has been a good one. Uh, um, as you said, every single person did the job that you expected them to do and more. So I would be happy with that. I think obviously performances can be a bit better. I think that we need a little bit more time. But we have been hampered by all the sanctions and, and we've been put... Actually, Tuchel said one thing that I thought was really interesting. He said that the world break, if you like, actually helps him a bit because he feels like he lost those weeks uh, because of the sanctions. So I think that the Everton game has taught us that we're we're not in a territory going into the season. 
Yeah, and we got three points after all. And maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we were playing Charlotte or whatever, that we might have thought this is not going to be a, a good start. And, and in a strange way, psychologically, even if we don't have the best game against Tottenham, at least we've already got three points in the bag. And we understand this is work in progress. If we'd have lost against Everton, that's a very strange atmosphere for the weekend. But, uh, but yeah, well, look, um, thank you as always, Gary. And thank you, Alison, for coming along and being our special guest. Sadly, Alison can't be here later in the week for the uh, roundup and preview of uh, the Tottenham game. So therefore, I'm going to, going to do something really unusual. I'm going to get Alison's prediction for the Tottenham match now. Early Kerry, in the week. Kerry, you don't want my prediction for the Tottenham match. Because obviously my heart and my head say different things. And I'll be completely honest. And we know how much this game means to, to Chelsea fans. Know how important it is to win. But I'm just seeing Conte has got this Tottenham team four cylinders already. They made a great start to the season. Although it was weaker opposition, I worry that we might struggle against Tottenham. I I really wish this Tottenham game had come a few more weeks into the season. I think it's come far too early for us. Oh, I just, I don't know. I think we're going to lose. I think we're going to lose 1-0. Okay, well, that's all right. You know, th th this is work in progress. And we will cheer everyone back up at the end of the week with my ridiculous prediction, which will be ridiculous as always. But that's just how I am. I know you're being a realist here. So look, if we don't lose 1-0... It's going to be great. As it yeah, and you know what? It's out the bridge. It's the new era. It's the new owners. Everyone knows how important this is. We've got some momentum there. I mean, there is a tiny part of me that feels like we could do something, but I am a little bit nervous, and my honesty is kind of overtaking that prediction there. No, fair enough. Well, thank you, Alison, for joining us. Absolute pleasure having you on as well. It's nice to get some sensible and interesting views other than Gary's take on things, which is always a bit strange. But no, thanks, Alison. Cheers. I'm only joking, Gary. Yeah, Gary, thanks a lot for, for all your opinions. You know what they mean to me. Well, thanks um, for nothing. <laughs> my pleasure. All right. No, thank you both. And we will see you all towards the end of the week when Gary and I will discuss the Tottenham game. All right. Keep the blue flag flying high. Come on, you blues. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.